0: Welcome to Occupied Thoughts, a podcast brought to you by the Foundation for Middle East Peace. My name is Kristen McCarthy, and I serve as the Director of Grants and Operations at FMEP and the author of FMEP's weekly report on Israeli settlement activity. Today, I am so excited to be joined by Avner Kvaryahu, the Executive Director of the Israeli NGO Breaking the Silence. Thanks so much for making the time for us today, Avner.
1: Yeah, it's my pleasure.
0: So, in case you don't know, Breaking the Silence is an Israeli organization of veterans who are talking about their experience serving in the Israeli military, specifically in the occupied territories. If you don't know about Breaking the Silence, I really urge you to learn more about it. Visit their website, read their reports. Um, and if you are if you are able to, as travel opens up again, please take a tour with their staff of Hebron or the South Hebron Hills. They are life changing tours. Um, The topic of today's podcast is actually based on a new collection of testimonies that Breaking the Silence has just published. It's called On Duty, Settler Violence in the West Bank. The collection shares 36 testimonies from soldiers who have observed, participated in, and were sometimes victims of settler violence. Um, So to dive into all of these things, we are here with Avner, and I want to start this conversation by just first asking you to explain to us what settler violence means. What do we mean when we say that kind of two- word phrase that encompasses so much.
1: So I mean, I think when we think about settler violence, the first image that comes to mind, um, and these are images that we've we've seen um, numerous times when it comes to um, the occupied territories are um, many times uh, young uh, males who are throwing stones or uh, slingshots, sometimes attacking with clubs. Um, I mean, this could happen in various places um, around uh, the West Bank. There are cases of obviously that are um, are much more extreme um, uh, from stone throwing. There were cases of Molotov cocktails that were were thrown. There were um, boulders that were thrown that caused deaths. But, 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 but the image is usually sort of uh, that. Um, but I think it's, it's important to, to break that down a bit because um, that's definitely an element in settler violence. But uh, in order to really understand settler violence, uh, we have to sort of zoom out. And understanding the, the system of, of, of violence really I, I think is, 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 uh, is, a, is a key element in understanding the, the occupation today. Um, a, lot of, uh, a lot of the violence that we're referring to is violence that takes place um, in rural areas, even though that's not, not only, and we see more violence within uh, villages uh, or, or, or small, smaller urban communities. There's obviously violence within the urban area of Hebron, uh, in, in extreme violence, but, but many of the violence takes place in rural areas um, and not all, but many take place around um, the, the outskirts of settlements um, and unauthorized settlements, which are both illegal under international law, but uh, under Israeli law, there's a distinction. Um, and ar- around the, the edges of the settlements or, the, or these unauthorized settlements or outposts, as they're called, we see um, um, really the, the 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 center of the fight over the land and specifically over what people refer to as as Area C, which is uh, an area that was called Area C as an outcome of the uh, mid-90s Oslo Agreement. Uh, almost all the settlers live in Area C. Um, and we're talking about the uh, Pretty big community of Palestinians between 150,000 to 200,000 depends on who and how you count, and and over 100, plus 150,000 more, give or take, that work on the land. So when we talk about the settler violence, um, uh, the violence is um, many times over over that land, and we could we we, we can see violence that takes place with uh, um, illegal expansion of outposts, basically stealing land. Um, we can see settler violence that is sort of hand to glove between the military and the settler community in taking over land. And I would say one of the uh, best examples of understanding the element of settler violence is um, the dynamic that happens between settlers and, and Palestinian shepherds. Um, where we can see over and over again uh, Palestinians who are, uh, you know, herding sheep on their own lands, the moment there'll be any kind of friction, doesn't have to be uh, uh, physical violence per se, but the moment there'll be any friction, it could be screaming, it could be yelling, it could be preventing Palestinians to just move and graze their land, the military will, if the military will come in the automatic response will be to separate two parties. Now, that makes sense if you have a some sort of uh, system of equality or if you had a law enforcement system that's there in order to protect both communities. What happens in, in, in those moments is that the, the, communi- the Palestinians and the settlers will be separated, but the settlers have basically succeeded in preventing Palestinians from grazing their land. And this is just one example of a process that allows massive uh, land grab, uh, and, and, and not only land grab that prevents Palestinians from using the land, but also expansion of settlers. So at the edge, we see th- we see the settler throwing the stone, but there's an entire ecosystem of violence.
0: Yeah, and it goes from you know personal injury of Palestinians to taking land forcefully or burning fields, and it's this you know layered. Violence that that Palestinian communities in Area C specifically, but as you said, increasingly in other parts of the West Bank are facing. True,
1: true, and um, I'll, I'll, just add one, one, I'll just add one more point. I mean, uh, many of the settlers that live inside the the even the big settlement blocks, but even in the you know smaller settlements, um, are not constantly in friction with Palestinians, or are definitely not. Uh, you know, day in, day out, you know, hundreds of settlers going and uh, 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 taking part in this violence. Th- that's important to say. But they definitely um, enjoy the, the violence that is taking place because it allows them to expand their settlements. And, and I think this is, this is one of the points that's, that's important to make, the connection between the official settler security coordinators and the military and the settler violence. And I think that's a big part of what comes up from our testimonies.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think another thing that comes up too for me, if you're reading it in in a historic sense, is that you know, settler violence is very routine. And IDF participation witnessing of settler violence is routine. It's an it's a it's a normal daily in and out of life in the west bank right but you know i think the media has talked about surges in settler violence routinely like every time there's something happens that we talk about it like this is a surge this is a surge and in your introduction to this new report you actually talk about how settler violence has escalated over a year or two that this isn't just like a ebb and flow situation that it's that it's growing and growing can you can you help us understand what it's like in the west bank right now do you understand this to be um a surge or just are are things deteriorating are tensions growing um not returned I mean, back think, to a lower level
1: right i mean I, I think it is you know just important to say you know obviously as uh um israeli um you know living uh, in tel aviv i spend a lot of time in in the west bank but I don't live under occupation. I myself was part of this occupation. I'm definitely not a, a victim, but a victimizer, um, and, and I think that's 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 the, the the angle that that that's important for us to bring to to the table as an addition to the voices of uh, Palestinians who are, are living under this reality day in and day out, um, uh, um, and 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 I think that there's definitely increase in. Uh, documentation from uh, Palestinian families activists organizations um, of, of this um, of this increase in, in violence in, in a variety of areas across uh, the West Bank um, I, I think one, one point that, that is important to make is this isn't only um, um, testimonies or wit you know anecdotal uh, um, um incidents from, you know, a variety of places, but uh, there's, uh, there's uh, um, many different bodies uh, that have been documenting uh, this violence, many amazing anti-occupation human rights organizations. But it's important to note that um, actually the Israeli security forces also document um, settler violence. And uh, the way they document the the violence is usually pretty minimal. And what they'll uh, um, um, call violence uh, is many times the sort of higher level of violence and ignore other uh, other cases. But even according to the Israeli uh, official sources, we're talking about um, in 2020, uh, close to 400 different events of violence um, that about 10% more or less of them um, are towards Israeli security forces. Um, now, that, that's an increase from the previous year. And there's even uh, a specific moment where we saw this increase, and this definitely had to do with COVID and sort of basic uh, uh, lack of rule of law in, in these territories when it comes to uh, Israeli citizens, settlers living there. Um but, but um, there was a moment um, uh, in 2020 where a young settler uh, was, uh, from what we know, uh, uh, throwing stones on Palestinian vehicles. Again, this is what we, uh, uh, we know from the press, and that the police was, uh, was trying to stop this stone throwing, and in uh, the chase, uh, there was uh, the, the, the car where the settlers turned over and um, this young settler was uh, um, allegedly throwing stones, uh, was, was killed. And this was seen as, uh, as the fault of the police, and you know, maybe yes, maybe no, I don't know the, the details, but this was sort of the, some of the background story for an increase in settler violence. Uh, and this phenomenon that many people, you know, that settlers, but many people have referred to as price tag, right, which is sort of a, whole, you know, a euphemism for violence, and in some cases, terrorism. Um, and, and, and this was basically seen as, as, a, as a reason to attack Palestinians. And, and, and the way the, the mindset works in this concept of the price tag is, is it doesn't matter who does something wrong to the settlers. or What they see as something wrong could be, you know, attacks by Palestinians, but it could also be uh, demolitions of illegal outposts. It could be, you know, a case like this. The, the community that will pay the price are the Palestinians, right? So this starts with, uh, with uh, um, you know, spray painting regards from this and that outpost that continues on to uh, stone throwing or more extreme cases of violence. And we definitely see um, an increase in specific areas, specifically the South Hebron Hills, an area that we know very well. Um, this has almost become on a weekly basis uh, that uh, uh, big groups of settlers um, um, attack Palestinian uh, families or shepherds or try to prevent shepherds from, from accessing their water cisterns in, in the area. And, and, and we see uh, sort of uh, uh, massive attacks of young uh, uh, Israeli settlers where some, some of them cover their face, some of them don't, where the, the, the soldiers in, in many cases... Really stand idly by, but we also have seen cases where soldiers themselves take part in some of these attacks, and 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 I think this is this is definitely not a new phenomenon, but it's definitely um, um, I think the the level and uh, amount of times that we see these these events re- you know, reoccurring um, that are that are getting to to, to I think new highs. Yeah.
0: So I have so many questions based on that, uh, what you just laid out, which is horrifying. But can you start by helping our listeners understand, talk to us about the relationship between the individual soldier who serves in the West Bank and the system in which he or she operates under. Why would a soldier be in a situation to A, participate in attacks on Palestinian land property individuals? and B, to watch it, to not intervene. How, how can this circumstance be? That doesn't seem very logical.
1: <laughs> yeah, so first I, I would, I, it is important to say, I mean, that soldiers are very violent generally, and this is a big part of our documentation. Mm-hmm. There isn't a way to maintain you know, a military dictatorship like we have in the occupied territories without force. Nice. Um, and and there is so many cases of, of violence that, that that we've seen, um, the the involvement of soldiers in actually joining in on attacks of on, on, on with settlers is something that we're seeing more of, but is definitely is definitely uh, you know rarer than just seeing soldiers standing idly by, but but but. But I do think the dynamic is important to to, to, to sort of break down. Well, I served myself as as a soldier uh, in para- I was a paratrooper uh, between two thousand four and two thousand seven. I served most around uh, most around Nablus and Janine, north of the West Bank. Uh, I was a sergeant of a snipers team, and a big part of my service was actually in big Palestinian cities. And what we call area A, uh, so Nablus, Janine, and in the uh, um, areas in between, there were a few G camps in between. Um, And and I didn't have a lot of interaction with uh, the settler community. But um, in the first part of my service, when I was a younger uh, soldier, we were sent for a few weeks to to different places around the the West Bank. Usually this was weekends. So instead of going home, we we had to stay and sort of, you know, uh stayed um, um um in the army and we ha- we went we were sent to go guard um settlements or outposts um i was at i actually had uh the um um the opportunity to 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 serve in in the south hebron hills um and um a community that i know very well today and um, you know, the people there are very dear to my heart, the Palestinians of living in Susia and some of the families there that I've known for over a decade now. Um, I was um, the one protecting the settlers and I was the one, um, you know, preventing them from accessing land and, 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 and so on. And, you know, th- thinking back about this dynamic, you know, I, when I think about myself back then, it's it's not that I that I was there, um, you know, just um, trying to make Palestinians' lives more difficult. Uh, I, what I thought I was doing was trying to make the lives of the settlers more secure, and that's and that's the prism that that soldier, soldiers, Israeli soldiers, look at, and and that sort of um, uh, integral to this concept. In the territories where we have two separate legal systems, it's, it's, the system is not by the people for the people; it's by Israel for Israel. And even though legally, Israeli soldiers and myself, I had the ability legally to stop settler violence as the ruler of of the law, the land. There is the military that's 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 occupied by military might. Um, I didn't do that. Not because I didn't want to, but because what I was told is that my job is to protect the settlers from the Palestinians. And the job of who was it to protect the Palestinians from the settlers? Not the soldiers. Only police. And there's no police there. So when I was sent to guard the settlement of Susia, the person giving me orders when I got there was a settler. He's a security guard of the settler who gets uh, his, his, his salary from... Um, you know different municipal uh, uh, bodies and the Ministry of Defense and he's in charge of the local security there, subordinate to the military, but as young soldiers, that was my first time there as a soldier. My officer didn't know much more than me to be honest. and the settler knows the area. he's li- he lives there. Um, so he was the one telling us where the borders are. He was the one framing the situation. But additionally, you know, we we were there in Susia for I think it was a week. Uh, my families have my family has close friends living in Susia. I mean, uh, um, uh, friends, uh, childhood friends of my of my parents, and we we were there for the weekend for for Friday and, and Saturday, and you know we were invited over to have Friday night dinners with the families. Now. It's a nice thing for them to do to invite soldiers. And obviously soldiers would prefer to eat you know, a nice Shabbat dinner than to have you know, the horrible food we get on the base. So you have a nice Shabbat meal with the community there. You're invited into their homes um, and uh, you're there to protect them. So it, it's a really sort of hand to glove situation. And, and, and in the mindset of a soldier, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. And, and and I think that the, the part of what we have to understand, that as long as we will have this system of, of military control, where the is- Israeli uh, settlers are living there, Israeli soldiers are there to protect their fellow citizens, we will always continue to see this unequal system, which is basically built to be unequal. It's not a system that has a potential for equality. So when you have when you get to the edge of this, when you see settler expansion, when you see settlement, settlers building illegally, when you see settlers expanding into Palestinian lands, when you see settlers kicking Palestinians off their land, it's always in a specific prism. And the prism is basically, we are uh, part on, we're basically on the same team. Um, and, and I think that, that that's sort of an integral element of the occupation, that the, the testimonies of the soldiers explain very, very well how settler violence is not uh, um, happening unnoticed. It's noticed, but uh, the system, um, the the military, the state, basically understand that even though they don't support per se the settler violence, it's part of a system that allows settlement expansion.
0: Yeah, I mean, so many of the testimonies talk about um, this duty that, that soldiers, individual soldiers feel to protect the settlers and not the Palestinians, and are invited into homes regularly, and then shunned or even punished by settlers if if they intervene, if the soldier intervenes to to even stop settlers from doing something outrageous. Um, it's 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 an amazing collection of testimonies. I again just point our listeners to to the report that they can find on your website. Um, and I think what you laid out too just helps us understand why. Like sometimes I think in the West or in other countries, when we read about settler violence. A lot of times it's connected to the same exact communities, whether it's the Yitzhar settlement, you know, outside of Nablus and this whole in this whole area in Nablus or, or in Hebron. It's like, well, if you know what the problem is and where the problem is coming from, why can't the army of the IDF go in and put an end to it? And I, I mean, I, don't, I, I welcome any addition to, to helping my troubled mind <laughs> understand these communities that not only terrorize Palestinians, but pose a significant problem for the Israeli government. And their enforcement of rule of law i mean they they have no regard for israeli law it seems
1: um yeah you know that's sort of the million dollar question right i mean the the we, we see a community that has total disregard to law and the almost every settlement has an outpost which is basically a criminal enterprise that the state either either funds or allows to go down retroactively funds and so on. But, but I think a, a part of a way to understand it is actually in, in, in the testimonies. And there's a testimony of, 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 uh, uh, of a guy who served in special ops unit and he, and he, he talks about an incident that happened um, uh, you know, while, while he was serving where um, there was someone who served um, alongside him um, who lived in one of these settlements, one of these uh, violent settlements, which obviously happened. They're Israeli citizens who live, you know, born and raised in the settlements. 1819, they joined the army. Yep. So this guy who um, was born and raised in the settlement was, you know, in the army, goes back home, he has his, his military uh, gun. Uh, He has his rifle. And there was a video that was published by B'Tselem, actually, uh, of a settler with a gun who was caught on video burning a Palestinian field. This guy was a soldier who was basically home on leave, right? So when, when we try to disconnect... The military from the settlers. So why does the system? So this is only just one example of one settler anecdotal, right? But take this and multiply it. Take this and 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 break down the fact that in some of the outposts um, across the West Bank, including some in the South Hebron Hills, you have uh, many members of the illegal outposts, illegal settlement under Israeli law, who um, are um um military uh, who their career is in the military who high ranking officers in the military so so um it, 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 it's not that the the military um you know that there's uh you know they they're scheming in some back rooms of saying how are we going to help the settlers burn uh, the fields and how are we going to make sure that that doesn't happen? Uh, you know, uh, at least not not that we know of. But we definitely see a system that sometimes, uh, you know, as as we mentioned, there's sometimes settlers who attack military and and police. But with that said, we have sort of this triangle of control, where the 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 system of control by the by the state prevents Palestinians expansion. Um, home demolitions, this, con- you know, doesn't allow communities to be connected to water. On the other hand, you have massive, massive uh, military control and uh, an extreme law enforcement over these communities, which is backed by settler organizations like Regavim. And this is sort of the addition uh, to that. Um, is uh, uh, the settler lack of law enforcement, um, which could be, as as we said, a variety of acts of violence. So this this sort of triangle, even though doesn't always uh, uh, um, um, work a hundred percent together, eventually does the exact same thing, and that is kick Palestinians off their land and allow settlements to expand, um, and and that and it's it, it's a very um, orchestrated process that, that, that many have, have documented. Uh, Yesh Din, which is human rights organization, legal human rights organizations, have, has documented this very well in a bunch of their reports. B'Tselem has as well. And many others have really shown this process of uh, this triangle that really pushes Palestinians out on the one hand and allows settlers to go in and expand, build new settlements, and then the cycle happens again.
0: Yeah. So my, my last question for you today is, is about breaking that cycle. What, what do you hope to achieve by publishing this set of testimonies? What, and I mean, I know that's a question that's really goes to the heart and mission of breaking the silence as an, as an organization, but if there's any other more immediate goals or opportunities or points of leverage um, that, that you're hoping to achieve um, or working towards (laughs) achieving um, with this set of testimonies, what are those? What? How can this get better?
1: You, you know, th- there's always a question, um, and this is true to any, you know, and any any issue of human rights worldwide, uh, especially in a, uh, in, in a in a systemic uh, a system of, of 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 violence like like the occupation. Do do you? sort of work in conflict or on conflict, right? Do you, do you sort of take tackle sort of the classic human rights approach of tackle issue by issue? Um, or do uh, you say, look, there's a systemic problem. We have, to, um, we have to see how we can tackle that. Historically, Breaking the Silence was you know, always talking about, you know, the problem is the occupation. The problem is not uh, um, fixing or bettering the occupation. Um, because as as those who carried out the occupation, we understand that the problem is not with one specific thing we did, but the entire system we were were part of. It's not only about, um, you know, um, making sure that you clean up uh, the house after you barged in or smile in a checkpoint, but make sure you don't barge into homes and don't control Palestinian lives. So this this was definitely a systemic issue. With, with, With that said, I think that uh, uh, specifically uh, looking at this uh, uh, phenomenon um, of, of settler violence, there is an ability, I think, to um, um, you know showcase. Uh, uh, how widespread it is, um, I think, definitely to the Israeli public, but to the international community as well, and also to to, to show how how much it is connected to the actions of the military, uh, because there's a sense sometimes that sort of this is a um, a phenomenon we cannot control this violence, which is obviously false. This is done by people and the system that allows it. Um, and, and, and I think that, that's the, the first point. But the second point is uh, um, there, there still is, um, you know, uh, uh, because we're in this reality of, of military occupation that, that must end, uh, it is important to say that, that soldiers do have the responsibility to stop settler violence. And, and it's amazing. And you read this in the testimonies. Soldiers don't know that basic fact. I didn't know that basic fact. I I really didn't know that basic fact. Now, it it maybe sounds absurd to some of our listeners, but again, looking through the prism that I described earlier, you know, this is part of of why the system of control is is so problematic because it really uh, is only built to provide for for one side. And I think that that there, bringing it forward definitely to opinion makers here in Israel, Uh, Making sure that this is on the table of the Minister of of Defense and and the Minister of of Interior Affairs, um, who are in charge both of the military and the police, that they know that this is happening, that they do have tools to at least make sure the military understands their responsibility, I think that's important. I don't think it will end occupation, but I do think that that is an important step. Um, that in the in the bare minimum in the bare minimum could at least um, expose um, the falsehood um, that we hear often that we're that we're only seeing um, you know some 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 rotten apples that don't have, that are not connected to a larger system but actually explain this this hand to glove reality that we see uh, happening on the ground. So if we if we could do that, I think that's important. And I and I will add that we we had in the past week. Uh, a massive billboard in Jerusalem that anyone entering the city could see, uh, a campaign that we've been running, um, um, you know, trying to make our voices heard on the media, sitting down with elected officials um, in order to, to make sure that they know the severity of um, these actions, but also the, their responsibility in, in speaking out against it and for them to not stand idly by.
0: Great. Well, on that note, we're going to have to end it today. Thank you so, so much for your time today, Evner, um, and for this new collection of testimonies that I think is an important part in documenting um, what settler violence looks like and IDF complicity in that. Um, You can find, all of our listeners can find this report, it's called On Duty, on the Breaking the Silence website, which is breakingthesilence.org.il. Um, And you can also donate to support their work, sign up for tours and read all their resources. Can't recommend it highly enough. Um, Please also check out the FMEP website for resources. We have upcoming events and more. Um, You can dive deeper into all of these issues on both of our websites. Um, Thank you so much for tuning in today. With that, I am Kristen McCarthy signing off. Until the next time.